Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Um, I'm just super excited this week. We have another chance to be uh, a distribution point for the New Braunfels Food Bank, San Antonio Food Bank, working with the Family Life Center and the Westside Community Center and other organizations to help a lot of families in need. And so thank you, number one, for your prayers. Prayer makes it all happen and come together. And we thank you for your giving and your generosity. You're really making a difference. And especially I want to say to Tree of Life, just a shout out. Hey, thank you so much for staying steady in your giving. We're using everything we can to be a blessing to people in need. Be in the life, love, and power of Jesus to so many people. So thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm excited also another opportunity, as you saw what's already happened this last week, coming up this week, to just be a blessing to some of our healthcare workers at a local hospital. And then we've been able to add to a mental health facility also on top of that the same day, but an ice cream social, just something fun, just to show them how much we appreciate them and a little extra to let them know that God loves them and that they're appreciated. And through all this, I just want everybody to know you're not forgotten. You may feel alone, but you're not by yourself. God is with you and we are praying for you and we're here for you. If you ever need anything and you find yourself just uh, lacking something or just somebody to talk to, or you can call us, email us, text us, get in contact with us and we will get back with you. We want you to know that we're praying for you and praying God's bless on your best on your life. And I just want to make a comment, um, you know, for those that I, I don't know where you're watching us from, but if you're here in the state of Texas, then you'll know that Governor Abbott had, um, is reopening the state. I, I don't, that sounds funny to say that, but reopening some businesses and we are in phase one of a reopening. But let me say this first, we're not reopening church because church was never closed. <laughs> we never uh, stopped having service. We just had, we just moved it to your house. And so we're not having in-person gatherings. And so there's a lot of changes happening and things are still changing frequently. So we're keeping um, aware of all the situation. We're very prayerful what what we're doing. And we're also keeping in mind the dynamic of our church. It's not a one size fits all, if you will, for in-person gatherings. We want to be first and foremost, uh, as safe as we can be. We want you to know that we're creating safe and healthy environments. Uh, The dynamic of tree life is such with bigger crowds and other things that we do and invest a lot of time in children's ministry, et cetera, that just for our, our, our tree life, our church, we're still going to be having church at home online experiences for, for a time. We're going to let you know how long that will be. And again, we want you to know that it's changing regularly. So things could change for the good, not the good. Uh, We're aware of all that and we will keep you informed. So this coming week, you'll hear some more information specifically about a, a, a target for a reopening or a process to go through. And so again, we miss you. We want to get together so desperately. We miss seeing you. We miss being with you. But we also want to make sure that we're being responsible. We are keeping your safety and ours in mind, and we want to be good neighbors. We know that still this area, as all all of America and other places around the world are walking through this pandemic, um, we want to be good neighbors, and we want this city to know that we love them, and we're here to serve them, and we want to be a blessing to them and work with them. And so uh, keep that in mind. Uh, We will let you know uh, as things change and progress. So you need the app or to continually, regularly, frequently visit our website for updates. We love and miss you. You know, I'm really excited about today's message. Um, really, the series has been a, a blessing. And it really started uh, Easter Sunday morning, and I was preparing for the Easter message. 
um, we're talking about the crucifixion and resurrection. There's, a, there's two scriptures in that really jumped out at me that really um, wasn't, one. Of, I didn't minister out of them Easter Sunday, but I really felt it was leading into the series that we're currently in or where we would go after Easter Sunday. And let me give those to you. It's kind of the foundation, the starting launching point for the series. We are in, uh, I believe, part three of our series. And I've called it, I titled it, I'll Meet You There. And it's, it's titled that way in the idea of that there's a purpose and plan that God has for us and he's wanting constantly to connect. In the midst of challenges and circumstances, it doesn't matter if it's a pandemic or financial crisis or maybe the best days of your life, God still wants to connect. He wants to be a part of what you're doing. Let me read for you uh, two scriptures that really the title came from and then we'll get into our message today. Matthew 26, 32, New Living Translation says this, And this is right before the crucifixion. He has his disciples gathered. He's speaking to them. They don't really understand yet what's getting ready to take place, but they're looking ahead, unbeknownst to them per se, they're looking ahead to probably the biggest challenge of their life. And Jesus was preparing them. He said, but after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Jesus is saying that you're going to experience, I'm going to experience, you're going to experience the greatest challenge of our lives But know this on the other side of it, I'll meet you there. I I want you to know this. And then he says, well, actually, he doesn't say this, but in Matthew 28, 7, after his resurrection, there's an angel sitting on the stone that was rolled away. And the ladies, the women came to to minister to Jesus to really um, anoint his body, clean his body with spices, which was of their tradition. There wasn't time before the burial, so they wanted to do it then. And they came to what we know an empty tomb because Jesus had already resurrected. An angel was sitting on the stone and they were just afraid and, and didn't understand what was happening. And the angel spoke to them and said, now go quickly and tell his or Jesus' disciples that he is risen from the dead. Go back and tell everybody he is alive. And he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I've told you. He told him, he goes, he's going to meet with you. I know you guys are still experiencing and processing something you never thought would happen. And and it's the most difficult, challenging, discouraging time you've ever been in. But it was a reminder to what Jesus said. He says, I'm going to meet you. I'm going to meet you at that place that I have for you. I want us to gather. I want us to connect. And I love that idea that wherever we are, he'll meet you there. You know, today's message, I want to encourage you this morning in that uh, I've entitled today's message, I'll meet you in the middle. And I thought about that for a moment and and it'll it'll become clear why I titled that soon, but meet him in the middle. And I thought, well, there's two ways that you could take it. One way that we might take it would be almost like we we say it to people we don't agree with. Well, you may see it one way, I see it another way, but you know what? We'll both compromise and meet in the middle. And that's not what we're talking about this morning because you need to know that you can't negotiate with God. God says what it is, and it's in our best interest to surrender and say, yes, sir, and follow that. And God's not going to compromise. He's not going to compromise for you or anyone. And so we're not talking about a compromise where where God will meet us in the middle, where he'll give and we'll give. We're talking about he's going to meet us in the middle of our challenge. He's going to meet us in the middle of our storm. And the time that you feel perhaps the most distant or you feel him the least or you wonder where he is or what happened to him, or maybe he's not around. He is right there all the time. He loves to meet you in the middle of your journey. He loves to meet you in the middle of your storm, of your fear, of your worry. He loves to meet you in the middle of a pandemic. He loves to meet you in the middle of a financial crisis. He loves to meet you in the middle of your brokenness, your fatigue, your sin. He loves to meet you in the times, however, on our journey. So many times on our walk, we find ourselves in those moments that we just feel stuck. For some reason, somehow, some way, we just feel stuck. So many times we feel stuck in the middle. It's in the middle where we feel stuck. We feel like we're not moving forward. And we say, I feel like I'm stuck. 
But I think God sees it a little different. When God looks at our journey and we look at our journey and we'd say somewhere in the middle we got stuck because of circumstances, God would say, no, I don't see you as stuck. I see you as stopped because he knows who he is and what his ability is, but you have to remember who he is on your journey. And if you will sit here today and you'll say, well, I feel stuck. I'm on my journey following God, but I feel stuck. I want to meet him there, but understand he'll come to where you are, but I feel like I'm stuck. And saying that we're stuck sometimes might imply that the obstacle's too great. What you're facing, what the challenge is, if you say that you're stuck, you may, fa- you, may, you may be implying that that challenge is too difficult for me or I can't seem to overcome it. Maybe, maybe I'm stuck is more like I'm ready to quit, I'm tired, I give up. Maybe you feel I'm alone in this. And so where we might say we're stuck, God might say, no, you've just stopped. And that sounds kind of harsh or kind of mean, but he doesn't mean it that way. I think there's a, there's a truth he wants us to understand. And the truth is that our, in our journey, we may look around and, and see that we're stuck But in the reality, if we're really looking honestly, truthfully at our situation, maybe we've just stopped. Now, Isaiah is speaking in a passage of Scripture, and you can go ahead and turn there, Isaiah 43. Isaiah really uh, brings this point home. And he's a prophet to the people of God, so that means God is speaking to him and through him. God is using him as his mouthpiece. And so he talks to his people, God's people, the prophet Isaiah, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit speaking through him to God's people, And he really is preparing them for something. The children of Israel have already come out of one captivity, an Egyptian captivity, which was very difficult and very hard. And they're getting ready because of their disobedience to go into another captivity. But God, through his prophet Isaiah, was going to speak to his people to tell them what to do in the middle of your challenge, in the middle of your captivity. That God has a journey for his people, and at some point in time, there's an obstacle coming, as there is in all of our lives and journeys. There's a time they're going to feel stuck. They're going to be stuck in captivity, if you will, or feel that way. And God's going to speak through Isaiah and tell them what to do in that time, in that place. And he's talking through the prophet Isaiah here in Isaiah 43. And so let me read that for you. Now, we're typic- we typically read uh, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, and I, I spend so much time in those scriptures. I love them, especially this year, beginning this year and even now. And you'll understand when we get there. But let me start with verse 16 and 17, because typically we don't read this, but this is what the prophet Isaiah is preparing the children of Israel for, God's people. He says this in Isaiah 43, 16. He says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And that's why we typically don't read that. But there is a point and purpose to it because the second part of that, the next two verses rather, are are things that we'll shout about. But this was very important to the children of Israel because it reminds them of the time that their family, their ancestors came out of that Egyptian bondage. And they had songs about it and they would dance and celebrate this. And then he goes on to say this in verse 18, which is what we're more familiar with, what more we would celebrate. He says this, but forget the former things, do not dwell on the past See, I'm doing a new thing. Now, right now, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now think about those four scriptures together. Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God, and he tells the people, when you come into this difficult time, first thing you need to do is remember what God has done, and then look to what God is currently doing and will do in our heart and our lives. It's part of our journey, that we need to be able to look back and see where we've come from but able to understand where we're going and where we're headed. But it seems like sometimes, because of circumstances, we find ourselves stuck. 
stuck in the middle. As Isaiah was speaking to the people of God, you're going to find yourself in captivity. And he's trying to prepare them. And I would say he's trying to prepare us for those moments that we find ourselves. If we could say it this way, those moments that you might even find yourself in the midst of a financial crisis, a pandemic, uh, in the midst of a relationship issue, a health issue, fear. We can apply these to our life. So Isaiah is preparing them for captivity. But again, there's different kinds of captivities that we see the people of God go through. Now, the Egyptian one before this was brutal. I mean, they, they were the lowest of the low. They were treated horrible slaves, beatings, oppression, harsh circumstances, terrible living conditions. The captivity they were going in wasn't quite like that. It was a different form of captivity. They were still, if you will, uh, servants of another group of people, but they had a lot more freedoms. And in fact, in some levels, they had some more prosperity that they had achieved during that time. And I want to say that because not all captivities are the same. They're not all physical captivity. They're not all circumstantial captivity like coronavirus or financial. Sometimes we're held captive by things like the view of ourselves. We can be in a captivity because we have a a poor view of ourselves. We have an inadequate picture of who we are. We have an insecure view. Sometimes we're held captive by our mistakes or the regrets that they have or guilt and shame. Sometimes because of our sin and guilt and shame. Sometimes we're held captive by what people have said about us or what we think about ourselves. Sometimes we're held captive by unforgiveness, maybe a desire for acceptance or validation. And Isaiah was preparing them for a captivity that was more about being really strangers in a place that they didn't feel they belonged. They're what they, they were alone there, if you will, that wasn't their home. Maybe sometimes our greatest captivity has more to do with ha- what's happening on the inside of us than what's happening on the outside of us. And Isaiah's preparing them for the captivity, telling them what they'll need to do to be able to navigate this. On their journey, there's a captivity coming. On our journeys, there's obstacles, things that would try and hinder our, our progress or to get to where God wants us to be. And he's speaking into that place in the middle, in the middle of their journey, on their way and what is happening to them or what will happen to them. And really, there's, there's, there's going to be a gap between where you are and where you want to be is what he's saying. And really, all of us have gaps. And then the truth and the reality is we, we, none of us have arrived yet at the place that God has for us. And we're not there yet, but, but we're further along than maybe when we started. But we all have gaps. The good news is God is in our gaps. The good news is God is in the middle. And that's what Isaiah is telling him. The good news in this place, in the middle of your captivity, God will be with you. And here's how you manage it. You're not stuck. You've just stopped. And I think it's, maybe it's hard to say that. And I kind of feel bad saying, you're not stuck. Well, that's kind of harsh. You don't really know my circumstances. You don't know what I've walked through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what people have said to me, what people have done to me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know where I come from. You don't know my family history. You don't know anything about me. How can you say, how dare you say, I'm not stuck? And you're right. I don't know your situation. I don't know what you've been facing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you've been, but I know you're God. And I know our God's more than enough. And I know our God wants to meet us in the middle. He wants to meet us in our captivity. He wants to meet us in our challenge. He wants to meet us in our storm. So part of the problem is, I think for you and I on our journey, is how we measure progress. How we measure progress. We we typically will think of it in in getting from point A to point B, a straight line and progression or forward movement on that line. But that's not exactly how God does that. 
But for you and I, when we look in the scripture, the scripture even tells us that we go from glory to glory, strength to strength. And you may not feel like that all the time. In fact, when I think about going from glory to glory and and strength to strength on my journey, I think of it like this sometimes. Maybe by using these steps, I I think like we think of going glory to glory like at this place and and we go to this place of glory. Now we've gone up higher and we take this next step to this place of glory. We've gone up higher. We take another step to this place. Or we take a step forward. We're here on, on our journey to get there and we go right here, we celebrate a victory, and we go right here, we're going from glory to glory. And can I tell you, rarely will you see in the scripture, and I believe that to be true, I believe we can do that, but rarely will you see in the scripture that, our, that journeys are, are following a straight line. There's all kinds of twists and turns and things that happen in our lives, partly because I want to say that God's not looking to take you through the easiest route, the path of least resistance. He wants you to grow in the midst of your journey. He wants to stretch you. He wants your faith to be increased. And in fact, when Isaiah is speaking to the children of Israel, he's really speaking to in that gap, in that time, in that in-between, in the middle, there's a chance for your faith to grow, but you're going to have to look at things a certain way. And, and, and it's easy for us to, to get to that point, and we can see now why when we're looking at a journey and, and we can't see progress in our journey, that's easy for us to feel like we're stuck or to quit. But again, the truth is that you see all throughout the Bible, progress is rarely a straight line. There's always going to be obstacles, always going to be challenges. And you may feel like, honestly, that you're going in circles. And I think a lot of us would say that. I just feel like I'm going in circles. I'm spinning my wheels. I can't get any traction. I'm circling this mountain again. I want to encourage you in that. That's not how... That's not how you should view progress. God sees it differently. It doesn't mean that you're not making progress because you feel like you're going in circles. In fact, the obvious story for me is looking at what Joshua was doing at when he came across the Jordan River into the promised land with the children of Israel and before him was Jericho. Now, let me just give you a little bit of backstory for those who may not know. Uh, Moses, who brought the people of God out of captivity of the Egyptian bondage as slaves, a terrible, harsh, harsh, taskmasters they were, oppression and beatings, and they, he brought them out of that place, but they didn't get to the promised land immediately. In fact, they wandered in the wilderness, the Bible says, for 40 years. 40 years of wandering on a journey that should only have taken 11 days. If they would have gone from Egypt to the promised land or crossing the Jordan at that place, it would have taken them 11 days. So think about walking in the wilderness on their journey for 40 years. And I think it's amazing to me that when God finally brings this generation across the river into the promised land, he doesn't do it when it's the easiest time. He does it when the Jordan River is at flood stage. He doesn't do it when it's at drought stage. <laughs> Maybe it would have been the most shallow and, and he parts the waters of the Jordan and brings them across on dry land, but he's not looking again for the path of least resistance. Sometimes he'll, he'll use uh, those obstacles as opportunities to build and grow your faith in the moment on your journey. And so Joshua brings them wandering. They've been walking for 40 years. They cross the river, and all of a sudden, they're at a place where the greatest obstacle in the promised land, Jericho, the city that has huge walls, faces them. And I think it's interesting in that moment when God speaks to Joshua, and he tells them, and he tells them, here's the game plan, Joshua. You've wandered in the wilderness and survived it for 40 years. You've been walking there. Now we walked across a dry land across the Jordan River. And now right here you are in the promised land. The first thing I want to do is let's go for a walk. <laughs> Come on, tell the people, give them some of my instruction. And he tells them we're going to go for a walk. That's the last thing that the people of God wanted to hear after 40 years of walking in the wilderness and then crossing the river. Now they're in the promised land. The last thing you want to hear is you want your, we need to take a walk. They're ready to possess the land. 
They're ready for their victory. They're ready for their breakthrough. They're ready for, for, for what was promised by God. And that may be you. You might be, I'm ready for my breakthrough. I'm ready for my victory. I'm ready for my job. I'm ready for my promotion. I'm ready to get, to get married. I'm ready to possess what God has for me. The last thing you want to hear is let's take a walk. In fact, to them it was, hey, let's take another lap. And so again, you can see why it's easy for people to, to give up or to, or to quit or to stop in the middle of it when they're looking at those obstacles and feel stuck. But really, it is it's not a stuck issue. Maybe it's just a stopped issue. And, I, and we can easily say, well, I'm tired of where I am. I'm tired of who I am. I'm, I'm tired of looking like or acting like everything's okay, like I have it all together. I thought I was going from glory to glory. I thought I was going to possess the land. I thought we came here to fight, and I feel stuck in the middle. Let's take a look at that story in Joshua 6. There's a couple of scriptures here I want to point out to you. Verses 2 through 5. Here's what the Lord said to Joshua in verse 2. He says this, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and fighting man. He goes, I have it for you, but you're going to have to take a walk with me. March, verse 3, March around the city once with all armed men. Do this for six days. Six days marching around the city. Have seven priests carry trumpets and ram's horns in, the front, uh, in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give you a loud shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up with everyone straight in. Now, when you read these instructions given by God to Joshua, you don't read that Joshua gave all these instructions into the people. Not in its entirety. I mean, he gave them and told them, hey, guess what, guys? Here we are. We're ready to possess the land. I know you've been chomping a bit. You're ready to fight. There's the obstacle in front of you. Get ready now. Let's go for a walk. And I can't imagine being one of the people there at that moment in time. For They had been ready. They'd been ready for their breakthrough, ready for their victory. And now here they're going to have to take another walk. And in fact, I think... Uh, what God was saying, and then you look at the instruction and it says, it further goes on to say that they have them walking around the city once for six days, one time around. And the whole time around, the instruction is this. Here's what they know. Walk and don't talk. And that's it. Walk and don't talk. For all they know, they're going to be doing this the rest of their life. Maybe this is the new normal. Maybe that we're here now and this is what we're going to do. Maybe you feel like you're facing a new normal and where you are and you feel stuck and you feel in the midst of a pandemic, a financial crisis or a storm, whatever that looks like. And maybe you, feel, maybe you feel like you're walking in circles. Maybe this looks like your new normal and when will this ever change? And I thought it would be different. I thought it'd be further along. And here we need to follow the instructions of be quiet and walk. Now, I think that that instruction of God, be quiet, more walking, less talking, however you want to say it. I thought it was brilliant. God's instruction, walk, don't talk. And can you imagine the conversations after day two? I don't know. I'd like to put myself in these stories. And if I was just a soldier that day and I got up on day one and I got ready for battle, I got all my gear I'm carrying. I don't have any pounds of equipment. I'm in line and we're walking around. We're not supposed to talk. Okay, I get that. We're walking around one time and then we go back to our tents. Hey, that was great. Maybe we're just re on reconnaissance. Maybe we're just checking everything out. The next day you get up. Okay, now we obviously we've seen it all. We've all got to measure it and see it. Now we're, we're going to possess it. And what are we going to do? We're going we're gonna to take another lap. What, what, you're, we're gonna why are we going to take another lap? Hey, just walk and don't talk. And then you go back afterwards and you lay down. Okay, maybe they just wanted to make sure. Maybe they were letting everybody in the city see how many armed soldiers we have. And, and okay, today they're going to be afraid. Maybe they're going to surrender now. And, and okay, get up and get my gear on again. Now I'm on day three and here we go. And everybody get in line. Okay, is this when we're going to charge? Hey, walk and don't talk. <laughs> and I think that's brilliant because if, if I know me, 
When I feel like I'm in those moments and I'm not making any progress, I feel like I'm just circling something and I can't feel like I'm going forward and I can't see anything, I, I, I would be the one that's be saying like, hey, hey, so how many times are we gonna do this? I mean, really, is this, what, is this how we're gonna conquer this place? I mean, this doesn't make any sense to me. And there's, I was thinking this, there's always, that, there's always, a, there's always a complainer. And I, I, I don't know if that'd be me or not, but there's always somebody that's like, but it's hot. I mean, why are we going to keep doing that? It's hot. I mean, can somebody get me some water? Do we have some water? Hey, what do you think about this? Do you think this is a good thing? I just can't see why we, there's no strategy to this. Hey, or hey, you know what? I don't even want to get up this morning. I'm going to lay in. Hey, before I get out of my tent, are we going to walk around that place? Are we going to take another lap? Because I'm good. I'm going to lay right here. You know, or how about the guy that wouldn't get up and all of a sudden halfway around, he starts faking a hamstring injury and I need, I need time out. I need to go back. And I think it's something that we need to learn that when we walk, we have to trust God. We have to trust. We can't see the picture. Because we're, what we're trying to do is measure progress by seeing something. But God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way. We gotta get up for another lap. And, 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 I, and I think what we have to do is sometimes our greatest obstacle on our journey is ourselves. I think sometimes God works something out in us that, that, that we gotta put our faith and trust in him and, and he's working something out on the inside. And just because we can't see progress or progress isn't obvious, we feel like we're stuck. But I want to say to you today that God is always working. And sometimes you and I become the greatest obstacle because we might be the person circling again and all of a sudden we might see, well, this doesn't make sense. What is Joshua doing? You know, Moses would never have done this. Moses was obviously a better leader. Moses would have a better plan. What does Joshua know about battles and leading us into battles? I mean, how many battles did he actually like, he wasn't the leader Moses was. I know he led some, but I mean, I would do it differently. Moses wouldn't do it this way. Or if I was leading, here's how I would do it. Now, sometimes, again, the greatest obstacle on the journey is you. Maybe, maybe one thing we need to learn in the midst of our journey is this, that we need to do more walking and less talking. Um, I wrote it this way. I wrote it this way. Um, do another lap and shut your yap. <laughs> I don't know. Now, some of you younger people may not know what a yap is, but some of your older ones can explain it to it. I, I remember that term being used all the time. I thought about getting a shirt made. Do another lap and shut your yap and have a picture of Jericho on it. Because I think sometimes you and I can be the greatest obstacle the question is, what do you do? What do you do when your progress is not obvious? I mean, you just feel like you're going around in circles, but you don't see, as we would measure, progress, forward motion. And the walls, and, and, and I think it's important for us to understand because sometimes progress is a motivator. So can you imagine circling those walls and you need some motivation to get up the next day? Just this human nature, we, 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 progress is a motivator for us to keep marching, a motivator for us to keep going forward. Maybe God should, maybe we would say like, God, if it was me, I would have done it this way. History says that those walls were just about 14 foot tall. I mean, I, I think of my brain, okay, 14 feet, seven days. Okay, God, after this first lap, the walls, maybe, maybe the walls would come down two feet, right? I mean, on day two, they come down two more feet. Okay, now we only got 10 feet to go. Day three, and I'm getting more excited with every lap because I'm seeing progress. But it doesn't happen that way. And then there's a 20, it says it's, there's a 28 foot tall watchtower behind the walls. Okay, maybe the walls don't come down, but maybe bring that watchtower down. Maybe it drops four feet every day. So when we get to day seven, it's not even there anymore. And God is, God is not working that way. But we want, we want to see it. We want to see progress, but what do we do when the progress isn't obvious? Because we need motivation to keep going. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes in my own life, I feel that way. For me to keep going on my journey, it'd be like, just show me something, God. Just show me. I don't need to see the whole thing. 
but just let me know that I'm on the right path. Just let me know that you're working. I mean, maybe, maybe just, just let me feel a little bit better. I mean, I don't have to have my complete healing in the moment, but I want to feel a little bit better. Or maybe I don't have to have that, that, that whole financial need met. But if just somebody would, somebody would bless me or some way you would bless me, I don't need all of it, maybe just some of it right now. Just a little bit would be a motivator to keep going, but what would we do when our progress is not obvious? So people stop. After a while, we stop. We, 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 we stop in that. But we would call it stuck, but we stop. And so people stop on lap six and call it stuck. And so you never know when this just might be your last lap. So you can't give up because God is in the middle. God's with you on lap four, on lap five, on lap six. So don't give up because you may just be one lap away from your breakthrough. So take another lap and shut your yap. <laughs> just because your progress is not obvious does not mean that God is not working. It's not about what God will do for you, but what God will do in you. See, that's the thing we have to remember. Are you more concerned about being close to your destination or more concerned about being close to your deliverer? Because the closer we get to our deliverer, he'll get us to our destination in his timing. God shows up with you in the middle. He shows up. When you don't see any progress, God is there. I want to illustrate uh, this way, if I could have my volunteers, I want my wife to come up and Pastor Eric, if you could come up. I want you to know that God is with you on every lap. God is with you in the middle. Pastor Eric, you stand over here. I want to invite my lovely wife, my quarantine queen. <laughs> you can stand right over here. And uh, I just want to encourage you. Do you. My question is, do you feel stuck today? Do you feel like on your journey, you're not making any progress or the progress is not obvious? Do you feel like you're going on lap after lap after lap after lap and you feel stuck? Stuck between where you are and where you want to be. In between who you are and who you want to be. You know, that gap in between, that gap in between is so important. So here's our journey. And here I am on my journey and there's where I want to be. There's where I'm headed. And that gap that's in front of me between where I want to be and where I need to get to, get to go, who I want to be, and who God wants me to be, that gap is blaring. It is a big gap and it's consuming my attention and my focus. And if I'm not careful, it will overwhelm me because there's an enemy whispering in my ear, pointing to the gap and say, see how far you away from what, see how far away you are from what God wants you to be, where he wants you to be, who he wants you to be. That gap, you can't, in, you can't close that gap. That gap is too big for you. You're not gifted enough. You're not skilled enough. You've done too, done too much bad things. You've done too many things to be able to close that gap. You have too many things happening in your life. Do you know where you've come from? Do you know what you've done? Do you know what people have said about you? And the enemy in that moment will continue to focus on the gap between where you are and where you want to be. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to give up at that place and call it stuck. But the truth is maybe we just stop because we start believing that because we don't see any progress. But it's in those moments when we, when we look at this gap and maybe it, it creates a little bit of fearfulness where we're, we're fearful here that, that what Isaiah was saying in Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, he says, before you see the new thing, you need to see the old thing. He said, you need to go back. The old thing, I didn't mean he's the old thing. See the old thing over here. <laughs> you gotta go back. And when, this, when you look at this gap, 
and you are discouraged and you want to quit and give up because you don't feel any progress, you just go back and look at this gap. You look at where you've been to where you are now. You may not be where you want to be or where God has you to be, but you're not where you were. So where this gap might seem fearful, this gap should say faithful. God's hand was upon you in this gap. God brought you through the things you never thought you'd get through. God saved you. At this point, he saved you and made you a new creation. I'm not the same person anyway uh, that I was. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I look back at this gap and I see the hand of God on what he's done. He saved me. He's delivered me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in my life. And now when I look at this gap, I don't get fearful because I remember faithful. And in this gap, that's where the grace is. That's where God's favor is. That's where God's extra ability is to get me where I need to get. That's where the glory of God is. That's where the miracles of God are. That this gap right here, that God is with me in the middle. His grace is sufficient. He got me from there to here. He'll get me from here to there. So when that one feels overwhelming and fearful, we need to look at this gap and we see God's hand and that he's faithful. He's faithful. He's in the middle. God is in the middle of your storm, your captivity, your pandemic, your financial crisis, your marriage, your life, your family, your home. God is in the middle. He'll meet you there. Thanks guys. You can go ahead. Go sit down. I love that idea. God is in the middle. The gap in front is the place that you need to realize that the grace is there. I mean, you may not feel and see any progress. And you know why that is? It's because that God wants you to focus on him and not what he's done. In fact, if you go back to Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, let's read that again. Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, he says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Yeah, he did that. God did that. He made a way through the sea. God did it. A path through the mighty waters. Yeah, God did it. He drew out the chariots and horses and army and reinforcements together and they lay there never to rise, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. God did that. God did that. Absolutely. And then it goes on to say, forget that. I mean, we're looking back at that. Forget that. Forget what he did. He says, remember what he did. He saved you. He got you through it. Remember it and then forget it, which doesn't almost make sense, but God's saying, remember what I did and then forget how I did it. See, if you don't forget how I did it, God would say, you'll rely on the system instead of the source. If you put yourself in remembrance of what God did to get you where you are today, then you need to forget how he did it, but remember him. Don't remember the how, remember the who. Because God says, I'm gonna do it differently. When you look at this gap and you feel fearful, look at this gap and see his faithfulness. He says, don't, don't look at how I did it because I don't want you to trust in a system. I want you to trust in the source. Remember the times he saw you through. Remember the times he supported you. Remember when he made a way. Remember he was there when nobody else was. Remember the who, but forget the how. You're not stuck, so don't stop. Remember God's with you in the middle. God's with you in the battle. He's with you in the storm. God is with you in the middle. He's making a way where there seems to be no way. God is with you. I'm gonna close with verse 19. He says this, Isaiah 43, 19. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. I am currently, not in the future. He's working. You can't see it, but he's working. In the midst of your 
journey in the midst perhaps of your lapse in the midst of the place that you feel stuck he is working he's doing a new thing he says now i'm doing it now i'm not doing it when you arrive i'm doing it right now in the midst of your captivity in the midst of your challenge now it springs up and he says this do you not perceive it do you not perceive it it's not about your progress it's about your perception because your progress may look like there's no forward motion but you have to perceive that in the middle of that god is working you have to know him for who he is because you don't see it happening the way it happened before. Doesn't mean he's not working. That's why you have to see the who and not the how. God says, I'm making a way. And I want, I want this thought that I have to share with you to grab a hold of you. God says, I'm not bringing you out. I'm bringing me in. See, we want to be brought out of that situation. We want to be brought out of that storm, out of that circumstance. And God says, no, 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 you're going to go through it, but you're not going to go through it alone. I'm going to go through it with you. I'm not going to bring you out of that place. I'm going to bring me into that place with you. And I will be working out. I'm a present help in time of need. I'm not a future hope. I'm a present help. God is with you. God is with you in the middle. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's with you in the middle. My heart, my hope today was to encourage all of us on our journey. If you feel stuck especially, then this word is for you. That know this, that God is there. He will meet you in the middle. In the middle of your circumstance, in the middle of your challenge, of your storm, he's there. You may feel like you're stuck, but don't stop. He's there. He's with you all along. And when you feel stuck and you're looking ahead because you don't see any progress, you're not getting closer to that place, and you see that gap, then what you need to do in front of you, go look at the gap behind you. Let it encourage you. Look at the faithfulness of God, the hand of God, that he saved you, he rescued you. He dealt with all your sin, past, present, and future. He changed your life. Old things are passed away. You're a new creature in Christ. No more guilt, no more shame. So look back and see the faithfulness of God. And then now you can look ahead at the gap. You, you aren't where you wanna be, but you're not where you were. Now you can look and see God's grace and God's glory's there and God's power's there and his favor's there. And may it encourage you that he is with you in the middle. You know, the most important thing that we can do is go back to that place or go to that place or start that place of, of salvation. Giving our heart and life to Jesus. Letting him come into that place and be our deliverer, our rescuer. If you've never made a decision for Christ, today's your day. Maybe when you stand at that place on your journey and you're feeling stuck, you don't have a reference to go back to the cross. Maybe you can't go back to the cross and look at it because that's really what the story is a picture of. Isaiah is reminding him, look where you came from. You had a deliverer that brought you out of slavery, brought you, brought you out of bondage into freedom. And we look back and we see Jesus is our deliverer. He brought us out of a slavery to sin. He brought us out of the bondage of sin. He brought us to a place of freedom. So maybe that's your starting point today. And I want to encourage you then, we can take care of that with a simple prayer. God made a way so that everyone can have a relationship with him. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray a prayer, and then I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. But before we do that, I want to ask you, everybody in your room, in your house, or who's meeting with you, I, I would assume that you know everybody that's meeting with you. So there's no, 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 you shouldn't feel embarrassed. In fact, you should feel responsible and asking everybody, do you know Jesus as Savior and Lord? Have you prayed that salvation prayer? Have you started at that place of the cross with forgiveness of sin? Just take a moment, and if it's parents and kids, ask your kids, and if it's brothers and sisters, family, or a close friend, take a moment. Make sure that everybody has that starting point, that place of remembrance of the cross where Jesus died and shed his blood for you and I to pay for your sins so we didn't have to. Maybe you've said that you've prayed that prayer before. I've received that. I've accepted that. 
But let me just say, maybe you feel stuck and you feel like he's a million miles away. Maybe you've gotten away from the things of God. You've wandered off the path. Maybe today's the day to make a a course correction. Get back on track with the things of God. We would say rededicate, recommit. And again, I would ask everybody in the room if they've made that decision or maybe they need to come back and make that decision to reconnect, rededicate, recommit. I'm going to pray, pray, as I said, a simple prayer. And I'm going to pray it slow enough that you can repeat it after me. But I want to encourage you to either repeat this prayer or, or own it in your heart. Say it within your heart and own it. God sees your heart and does what only he can do, work and change from the inside out. But I want to encourage every single one of you, whether you have prayed this prayer before or not, right there where you are, pray this out loud with your heart. And let's God, let God move and change us from the inside out. So let me pray. Repeat this after me or just own it as your own. Accept it in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son sent to the earth to die on a cross and then go to a grave and rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin. And thank you for rising again. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my Savior and Lord, now and forever. I receive you now, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, everybody. God's a good and faithful God. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.